You know, if you're a Christian, have you ever asked the question, or how do you feel about Halloween coming into the churches? Now, it's interesting, when I was growing up, uh, I'm 57 years old, and when I was a teenager, or before I was a teenager, you know, we kept Halloween, and and there was no pretense. You know, Halloween had not been Christianized when I was growing up. I mean, Halloween was what it was. It is what it is. It was just a... You know, a time when kids would dress up like demons or ghosts or goblins and and scare each other to death and and go about from house to house getting treats and candy and all that stuff. But it was it was no no pretense of well maybe we can make this a religious event at least not back then. And it's interesting to see this over just a short lifespan of you know of. of at least my years on this earth to see this transition where this has become a a Christian thing. It's been Christianized. That is Halloween in church. Now, I don't know how you feel about that, but I I think what happened was it was back in the seventies, I believe where you heard these stories about some evil diabolical person. I don't know who would do this, but they would insert maybe razor blades into an apple and give it to a kid. I mean, you would have to be evil through and through to do that or candy that was taminated and give it to the kids. And so I think the churches, it was a knee jerk reaction to, to this, you know, how do we keep these kids safe? How do we keep them off the street? Maybe we can provide a, an environment where, Instead of dressing up like ghosts and demons and anything evil, we'll dress up like biblical characters and and we'll keep them off the street. And at least we know that whatever they get, the treats that they get will be uh, nothing wrong, not, will not be contaminated. And so I think that's how it sort of came into the church. Now, part of that, I understand keeping the kids safe. But another part is, you know, let, let's take this bad thing that is happening and let's bring it into the church. Now, that part is sort of funny when you think about it. You know, here's this bad thing that is happening, this celebration of, of Halloween that has nothing to do with God, religion, or anything like that. And uh, But let's bring it into the church. Now, that part's sort of funny. Uh, the other part, though, to keep the kids safe and off the street, that I understand, that knee-jerk reaction to the church. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. You know, I was looking at some statistics here about Halloween. An estimated 90% of families with children ages 12 and younger will participate in trick-or-treating or costume parties. For adults, Halloween has evolved into the third most popular holiday for parties with Christmas and New Year's Eve being first and second. Uh, Approximately 34% of all adults will host or attend a Halloween party this year. Halloween is second only to Christmas for holiday decoration. I didn't know that. An estimated 50% of all Americans will decorate for Halloween versus, you know, 80% decorating for Christmas. Halloween paraphernalia, you can imagine, with an estimate for estimated 40, 400, excuse me, 400 million dollars being spent each year. 
Halloween is the eighth largest seasonal card sending occasion in America. I did not know that, that people sent cards at Halloween. Now, from just a, I want you to look at this just just from a logical concept that that when it comes to, often when it comes to religion, you look at two things. You, you look at what people like to do, and then you look at what they spend their money on. And then you Christianize the thing they like to do and spend their money on. Now, I know that sounds sort of cynical, but it's it, you would be silly to avoid that reality. That's reality in all its ugliness that you, you look at, okay, what do these people like to do and what do they like to spend their money on? And, and if you look at that, you will identify every one of the pagan holidays that are out there as to why they are so popular. Now, I want to clarify something here about man's desire to celebrate there's nothing wrong with that i mean we all like a good celebration be it a wedding feast a birthday party or whatever it may be i believe that internally we have this desire to celebrate god i mean i really i really believe that 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 there is this that god has placed this inside of us a desire to celebrate him now what is a shame is this that that we as Christians we have come up with our own method for celebrating God and it's gotten so bizarre that we've actually incorporated you know with this internal desire to celebrate God we we have incorporated even things like Halloween into the church but if we could just back away for a moment and realize that inside of mankind, inside of the spirit that, that God has given to mankind, that there is this internal desire to celebrate God. Now, what, what is a shame is that we, have, we, we are unaware that God tells us, lays out the plan for celebrating him. In other words, the passage is found in Leviticus 23 and verse 4. It says, these are the feasts or the appoint, appointed times, appointed seasons. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. God begins to lay out his holy day plan. And really what it's about is a fulfillment with these holy days to know how from God's instruction book on how to celebrate God. That's what the feast days are all about. Now, there are seven feast days throughout the year that we are to keep, that the Bible tells us to keep. Now, what's, 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 I tell you, this is so bad that when I mention this, the feast of the Lord, the feast of Jehovah, I mean, if we were to ask, okay, whose feast are they? Well, they're God's feast. They're the feast of the Lord. They're, they're the feast of Jehovah. But when you go into and start talking about the feast days, what people will say is, well, that's Jewish. That, 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 all that was given to the Jews. It was given to Israel, those feast days. They're not for us. You know, we Americans say something like that. And, and, and what we come up with is our own method for worshiping God, such as Christmas, Easter, and Halloween in church. That's what we do. And, and we never stop and just say, now, wait a minute. Maybe God lays out the way, the plan for worshiping him, for celebrating him. We never ask that question. 
Now, I begin to pick up on this internal desire that God has placed within mankind to celebrate him a long time ago in my observation of people. I begin to look at the things that people like to do. For example, my daughter had read the book, um, no, I forget what the name of the book is, but it was about the pony swim, Chincoteague Island, where the ponies would swim across the water. And uh, she wanted to go there. And, and so we went to this island where the, they had the pony swim. And, oh, man, it was thousands of people there. And they were, you know, you walk through this swampy, marshy land, you know, and uh, they they fire off the, the gun and, and all these little tiny little ponies uh, across the water and swim to the other side. And, and I was amazed at what a celebration that was. I mean, people were hoop, people were screaming and and just excited about this little pony swim a little 50 little ponies crossed the water and 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 when i watched it i thought well that's it you know i mean you mean to tell me i drove six hours to this place to watch 50 little tiny ponies cross the water and it only lasted five minutes but the people that were there i mean it was incredible well anyway we left and and stay we couldn't stay on the island so we had to drive about an hour away and i checked into my motel and the guy said uh, what are you doing here and i said well i'm up here to watch the pony swim he said ah that's nothing he said you ought to come to our town he said every year we have the crab derby race and i'm thinking you know i really don't care about that but this man insisted on on telling me about the crab derby race and he said yeah we got about ten thousand people come to this town every year and to watch the crab derby right now i'm thinking how do crabs race i mean do they they don't have ears they can't hear the the gun go off i mean you know and and why 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 would anybody go to a crab why would ten thousand people show up then of course i've been to a nascar race and and you just watch the people and you think man man needs something to celebrate i've been to bike weekend i used to have a harley davidson motorcycle and we drove to Myrtle Beach for bike weekend and I I was just I I was amazed I mean absolutely amazed the people that fill that town and and it's like the bike is an idol I mean it really is and and people were out there cleaning their bikes and it was four o'clock in the morning I heard this high-pitched sound and it was a guy blow-drying his bike with a, a you know one of these blowers because you didn't want any uh, water spots on the chrome, you know, because it's a Harley Davidson, you know, you got to, and, and, you know, I was just amazed at the things that, that internally people need something to celebrate. I was visiting Lake Lure one time, North Carolina, and they had, I was looking at the, what was going on in a town and they had a woolly worm festival. Yeah, get that a woolly worm festival. Now that's got to be exciting. If you think about it, just, just kidding. But, but my conclusion from all of this was that man desperately needs something to celebrate. And I go back to these feast days where God says, you shall surely rejoice. Speaking of the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, you, I, I'm commanding you to rejoice. I mean, God says, I know you need something to celebrate. Why don't you celebrate me? And so in the Bible, we have this plan laid out of God's annual holy days on how to celebrate God, how he desires with instructions on how to celebrate God. And it's just a pity. It's it's amazing to see our society, our culture, 
say, no, I'm not going to follow the instruction book, the Bible. I'm going to come up with my own method for worshiping God. And this is what we'll do. We will incorporate Halloween into the churches. Now, uh, like I said, you before you can ever understand what's going on with, with why Halloween is in a church, you've got to identify this internal desire that God has placed within mankind to celebrate God. Now, I know it's a bizarre way to celebrate God with Halloween in church, but at least they changed the characters into something more suitable, like biblical characters. But and, and, and again, it's, it's all about keeping the kids safe. But when you realize there's a rejection of the instruction book, there's a, a rejection of God's holy days that tell us how to celebrate him. Now, another thing about even if, if you're a Christian and you're saying, I don't think this is right, that Halloween should be in the church. You know, if, if you are a member of a church, there's, there's going to be a problem, and that is something referred to as group think. You know, no one wants to be the oddball. No one wants to stand up and say, you know, I don't just, I just don't agree with this. I don't think this is right. It takes courage to do that, you know, and, and because we lack conviction, you know, because chances are we really don't know what our Bible says about incorporating, about Christianizing pagan holidays. We don't know what the Bible says about that. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But because we don't know our Bibles, we lack conviction. There's something where groupthink takes over. Now, groupthink is a kind of thinking in which maintaining group cohesiveness and solidarity is more important than considering the facts in a realistic manner. How does this work in church? Well, it basically works like this. Everybody around me believes this, so I believe this. I'm not really going to think about whether this is true or not or whether we should be doing it or not. You know, what's important is that I fit in. Now, believe me, when it comes to church, you fitting in is something that, that you know, it, it's really a, it is a problem because God wants us to fit to his standard of morality. God wants us to do what the Bible says. And often churches are not doing that. Now, I know that sounds bizarre. I know that sounds strange. I know that sounds, well, wait a minute. I thought church was all about God and religion. Well, it is about religion, but it's not always about God and his will. But in church, you know, I must get along not to upset the apple cart. You know, I don't want to be the oddball. I don't want to be the one saying, you know, I don't think this is right. You know, I've got to be nice. I don't want to be unchristian. And we think, often we think standing up for our values, standing up for our conviction, well, it's going to be unchristian if I do that. And that's not true. You know, if you look at the prophets uh, in the Bible, that basically they were all killed. I mean, you know, the men and women that God used down through history who stood for God were persecuted, and many of them were killed. You needed to look no further than Jesus Christ when we come to that. We, we sort of think, well, I've just got to get along. By the power of groupthink, often we lose our convictions. We just lose our convictions. We, we may have a conviction that says, you know, I just don't think this is right, Halloween in church. But the power of groupthink takes that away. The fact that we're in this church and everybody's doing it, 
and we lose our conviction. And that's the downside to often being in, influenced by groupthink in a church. Now, which is the more important, the groupthink in a church or the conviction and leadership of the Holy Spirit? You see, in order for you to be led by the Spirit, you, you, you just put this in your pipe and smoke it, okay? You're going to have to be like a lone wolf. You know, it's going to be you and God listening to the Spirit of God. And you're going to have to go against the grains of society, you know, and it's tough. It's hard. You see, groupthink, the groupthink of a church and the conviction and leadership of the Holy Spirit can be two opposites. Your church can be going down a road that you don't agree with and you think that's not right. And the Spirit of God can be leading you away, separating you from that groupthink of a church going in the opposite direction. So, you know, groupthink is very powerful in a church. And I think we would rather maintain our togetherness than question whether this thing that we are believing is true or or not. You know, uh, what we are believing might be an absolute lie. But for the sake of unity in the church, we're not going to look into this. It's it's really the ostrich with its head in the sand. You know, I'd, I'd rather just play dumb. Besides, I, I like doing this. I, I like, you know, it's fun. You know, it's fun. And I, I'll never forget, I had a woman one time just blasting me for, for uh, something I had posted about Halloween, not bringing it into the church. And she said, you've never looked into the eyes of a kid and the excitement of the kid when you're carving out a pumpkin in, in church and how excited they are. And, and, oh, you just, you know, it's all about all of this fun stuff that we're doing in church. And, and here's the thing you've got to understand about your children. There is a reason when they become teenagers, they leave the church. Now, I'm telling you something that you need to plan for. If you have young children, I'm telling you something that you need to be aware of. You see, when children grow up and they become early teens, they have a baloney de- detector. Yes, a baloney detector. And they can realize when something is not authentic. That's one of the characteristics about young people that I you know, admire greatly because they have this baloney detector and they're able to see straight through some of these things. And so they grow up and they say, huh, Halloween in church, nothing scripture about that. I mean, nothing biblical based about that. And my parents lied to me about Santa Claus and reindeer and, and, and maybe they're lying to me about this Jesus thing also. It's all about Jesus, Christmas. They begin to see straight through the facade that you have created for your children. Keep in mind, yeah, they may be excited at age three or four carving the pumpkin, but they're going to carving the pumpkin in church, but they're going to grow up, okay? And when they grow up, they begin to think for themselves, they begin to reason for themselves, and often they look at the activity that's going on in church. They look at maybe their parents who are raising their hand, praising the Lord for 30 minutes in church, and then fighting like cats and dogs when they get back home, cursing the sky blue. They see this. They, they, see, they have a baloney detector, and in many cases, what they find out is their parents' religion was a bunch of baloney. It just wasn't real. And so they leave the church. 
And you need to be aware of that because you're going, if you have young children, you're going to face this later in life. I can guarantee you that. So what does the Bible say about this thing of Christianizing pagan practices? Well, there's a warning in the book of Deuteronomy about against idolatry. Now, you may think, well, I don't have any, I'm not idolizing anything, but, but listen to me. If you're deep into this and you've justified this behavior, such as Halloween in church, as I gave you the example of this woman that was blasting me because she said, you know, you just don't understand that the excitement of looking into a child's face as we carve out a pumpkin on Halloween in church. What you got to understand is that often these things that Christians do have become an idol. You can't tell, you can't correct them because it's, it's, it's a sacred cow. Now they're worshiping this thing that they're doing. I know this is good. I know God would approve of this. I know that, you know, whatever it may be. And so it really has become an idol to them because they can't let go of it. And, and anytime I see a person justifying something like this, you know, firmly justifying it and say, no, this is this God would approve of this. And I know it's okay. You realize it's become an idol to them. Well, here's what the Bible says. It says, it says, take heed, this is Deuteronomy 12 and verse 30, take heed to yourself that you be not snared by following them. Now, the, the people he's referring to is the pagan nations around Israel. They had their pagan practices, and they had their method for worshiping, you know, God and their God or whatever it may be, whatever they were worshiping. He says, now, now don't follow them. After that, they be destroyed from before thee. And that you inquire not after their God, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so, I will do likewise. You shall not do so unto the Lord thy God. For every abomination to the Lord, which he hates, they have done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. What thing soever I command you, observe to do it. You shall not add thereto nor diminish from it now that that last statement is interesting because i i mentioned earlier about this internal desire to celebrate god and that there is a way god lays out in the bible with his holy days on how to how to celebrate god now god says i want you to do what i have commanded you i don't want you to come up with your own method for worshiping me because when we, if we just delegate it out to everybody to come up with their own method for worshiping God, what will happen is, well, what will happen is you'll end up with Halloween being in church. And that, that's what happens when we delegate it out to our own whims and desires. And I think this is good. And I think that, that we can keep the kids off the street. We can give them good candy. And I think this is what God would approve of it. God says, now, now be careful. Do what I tell you to do. And what I'm telling you is that there is a way to worship and celebrate God in the Bible. He tells us how to do it. He gives us the instructions on how to do it. And for us to reject the instructions and to come up with our own method for worshiping God, well, it's not right. I mean, it's just not right. And so the Bible speaks against 
Christianizing pagan practices. It seems so innocent. It it can be justified. I mean, hey, I don't think God was upset with the concept, let's keep the kids safe. Of course God wants to keep the kids safe. But there's a better way to keep your kids safe than, you know, incorporating (laughs) Halloween in church. There's a better way to do that. Now, you can write me at, is that really in the Bible? The address will come up at the end of this program, and I can send you material on God's holy days and how to celebrate him, the plan that is laid out in the Bible, if you would like to study that for yourself. Just listen to the offer at the end of this program. The address will be given, or if you have any questions. Now, I want to challenge you to do something that I think a lot of Christians don't do. They don't do enough of this. And it's found in 1 John 2 and verse 27. It says, But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. Now, if you're a Christian, I think you would admit that, okay, the Holy Spirit of God is something that you're supposed to have. It's an anointing of the Holy Spirit that guides and directs. It's it's what I call the leadership of the Holy Spirit. This is something that God has given to Christians. It says now, he says, that anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Now, let me just clarify that this is not saying that you don't need church. This is not saying that you can't ask your preacher. What it's saying is the emphasis compared to human resources versus God's spirit, that is the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that there really is no comparison between the two. I mean, I know, yeah, we hope when we go to church that the guy talking uh, is anointed of the Spirit and he's speaking for God. We hope that's true. But notice what it says. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. What it's saying is, is that you trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit more than you trust your minister, your church, uh, friends, relatives, or whatever. And again, it doesn't mean you can't ask for advice. Often, you see, often we're asking for advice to simply justify what we want to do in the first place. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, if if you trust the anointing of the Spirit, like I said earlier, often that Spirit is leading us in a direction that may be contrary to the church. Now, one of the things I know from experience is this, that still, small voice of the Spirit, you can squelch that. You can block, you know, you can shut it out of your life where you don't even hear it anymore. And it doesn't, you know, the the leadership of the Holy Spirit is not going to force you to do anything. You got to be attentive to it. You got to listen to it, and you need to respond in order to empower that spirit in your life to respond to it, instead of just dismissing it and saying, "Oh, well, I, I think I'll just listen to what my church is telling me, and I'll go against my my natural convictions." that are causing me to question these issues, you need to pay attention to that spirit, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and follow that more than you follow the traditions 
of your church, traditions of men, their logical line of reasoning. Well, this is the why we do what we do. You need to follow the Word of God. You need to follow the Bible and let that be your authority, the final authority in your life. I do this because this is pleasing to God. I know. Now, uh, you got to ask that question. Is Halloween and church pleasing to God? Think about 20, 30 years ago when it did not even exist in churches. And now we have incorporated it into churches. And it's a subtlety. It's, it's a subtlety about it. You know, you ever heard the statement, let's put Christ back into Christmas? Or the statement, it's all about Jesus, referring to the Christmas season. You see, what's going to happen is the longer we tolerate these things, such as Halloween in church, 20 years from now, you're going to hear people saying, Halloween, it's all about Jesus. Let's put Jesus back into Halloween. You see, that's the subtlety. That's the deception. That's how over enough time, if you just allow and you ignore your convictions, over enough time, you can justify anything. You can absolutely justify anything. In fact, Israel had come to the point where they were justified sacrificing their own children to the pagan god Moloch. Um, they they justified it, you know. But but you basically you can justify anything over a long period of time, and the long period of time is we're not attentive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We're not listening to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So I want to remind you: the anointing which you have received of Him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Listen and follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.